2: Final hour is here, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. The crew is all here. You can join us here at 6th and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, or hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Just search OutKick 360. We say hello uh, across the radio network. That includes uh, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Florence. Uh, We say hello to you. We say hello to Huntsville, Fox Sports Knoxville, uh, thanks to our friends there. We always remember your first. They were the first yep. partner with Outkick 360 we'll never Fox Sports Knoxville. And across the Upper Cumberland, uh, we say hello to Sports Radio 104.7, our great friends there uh, across uh, Cookville and Crossville. Tonight, we um, so college basketball from Madison Square Garden, where we've got two top 10 teams, top 25 teams, I should say, that will uh, match up against some good unranked teams. You've got Syracuse and Villanova that tip off after the game we're about to discuss. Nova's ranked sixth, I believe. They will tip off around 8 o'clock against an unranked Syracuse team. Uh, according to FanDuel, that Syracuse and the Orange, they're plus eight at Madison Square Garden. They will tip off after the Tennessee Volunteers face Texas Tech.
0: And Tennessee, they've continued to climb in the rankings since losing to Villanova in an earlier uh, preseason tournament. Before beating North Carolina, they're up to 13th, I think, nationally. Yeah, that's right. Tennessee. Yeah.
2: Oh, and if great. they win tonight, they'll be they could be top 10.
0: Yeah, great great matchup tonight. Um, obviously, Texas Tech, known for their defensive prowess, uh, that was under Chris Beard, who's now at Texas, first year under the assistant coach that took over for him at Texas Tech. Really cool. Uh, shout out to Tennessee basketball on Instagram. Uh, they're in Madison Square Garden tonight, so they had New York NYC Vols. And it was a nine-picture slideshow they posted, and it was little Polaroids of Ernie Grunfeld, Bernard King, Tobias Harris, Brian Williams, any player from New York City that played for Tennessee, and it was a different iconic spots around New York City. You know, one was in uh, next to the subway that was screaming by. One was in front of uh, downtown. Another one was in front of Rucker Park, and it ended with Zakai Ziegler, the current freshman from the Bronx, holding every Polaroid in Madison oh, cool. Square Garden. That's cool! That's cool. So nice you swipe over and it goes to the end, and he's standing in Madison Square Garden holding every Polaroid, which I thought pretty artistic for a, a team Instagram account. Um, Tennessee with a, a great opportunity. They beat Colorado on the road on Saturday. Nice road win uh, over a Power 5 opponent. They get Texas Tech. They get a couple more warm-ups, UNC Greensboro and someone else. They still have Arizona who's a top 25 team. They're going to play at home. The Memphis game in Bridgestone Arena, here a block away from us in our 6th in Peabody studio in Nashville, that would just be a bad loss right now for Tennessee. You were looking at that as a, a potential top 15 matchup. Memphis was number nine in the country three games ago, and they've lost three straight games. They are now 0-2 against the SEC. They still have Alabama and Tennessee to play. They lost to 2-5 and five Georgia. Georgia got off to a 2-5 and non-conference start. They lose to them. They lose to our friend Kermit Davis and Ole Miss. They still have Alabama and Tennessee to come. But Tennessee with a great opportunity. Very tough non-conference schedule for the Vols. uh, And this is another tough test night. I think they're open as a a 3.5-point favorite over Texas Tech, and it was 45 Last I saw. So it should be a really good game tonight, in Madison Square Garden.
2: Again, that tips off at uh, 6 o'clock uh, this evening. Um, looking forward to watching those two games tonight on the docket. We'll recap that tomorrow. Um, elsewhere, Matt Rule, head coach of the Carolina Panthers, has discussed the firing of Joe Brady's offensive coordinator. I'm going to be uh, in the minority here. I think Joe Brady's got a bad rap right now. I think that nationally the perception is, oh, the college guy couldn't, couldn't cut it in the pros. He sucks. I would say to those people, you take Christian McCaffrey off the field and find out what happens. You then insert Cam Newton into an offense that was supposed to be for Sam Darnold, and you tell me what happens without Christian McCaffrey available. Uh, Soon after Cam Newton was signed, they put McCaffrey on injured reserve, and he's done for the year. And they start out hot. McCaffrey's touching the football like 50% of the time offensively, and that helped out Darnold. And then McCaffrey's off the field. Darnold's not so good. Neither is your offensive coordinator. I would like to see uh, the next offensive coordinator face those issues and get fired after the best players put on injured reserve.
1: Yeah, and Sam, Sam Darnold, I mean, early on he looked better than he was in part because of McCaffrey. He's not very good. It was a reclamation project that was an organizational well, decision that that failed. Well, that's in, that, in the
2: long run. I'm not making excuses for Brady on that. You're you paired with your starter that you've signed or traded for. You got to make it work. But when you're when your all pro is out and unquestioned the the top back based on the ability to sure. do things in a I mean, he's a receiver playing running back and that. an excellent one. When he's off the field. And your your offense is just completely different at that point.
1: I get that, but they, beyond Christian McCaffrey, they don't have a lot. It would so be, they're a one one player. It, it would be like Todd Downing way.
2: getting fired because the offense sucks now in Tennessee.
1: Right, and uh, and and despite Chad's proclamation about Cam, Cam's not very good. No, either. And so you know, Sounds guys, like gonna start guys again. taking a bullet for uh, for two two quarterbacks who weren't very good. They're just not that good. Exactly, wise.
0: but that's why. Then why fire
1: the? That's O-C-? what I'm saying. You've, you've got so, your So well, I immediately only.
0: jumped to Matt Rule, and he don't they don't like what? each other. Well, Matt, Ruhle there's could something be else Matt going Ruhle on. Might be where in, in trouble. Matt Rule maybe try to jump out ahead of the firing squad. Yeah, but and it fires offensive coordinator first, but it almost seems like there's bad blood. He couldn't get back in time for the meeting yeah. to get fired. It happened a day later. I mean, I read into all these things and think maybe there was just a divide between head coach and offensive coordinator. I would think that
1: that David Tepper, the owner, and I've said this over and over, it's pretty well known the guy wants a big-time quarterback. Yes. I think Rule would do, you know, I'd like to see him with the big-time quarterback before I make a change. So go get the big-time quarterback, and Rule gets a fresh clock with the big-time quarterback, another Year or two with the big time quarterback, then you see what happens. It's a six year, seventy million dollar contract or something like that. Yes, you know I understand Tepper's super rich. He's one of the richer owners in the league, but I wouldn't be so quick to dispose of him. And I don't know that Tepper uh, that that rule didn't act a little rash here. Uh, well, you just had to kind of concede that that things aren't happening this, because of your personnel.
2: Well, I. I, I, I I think that's an obvious, I'm stating the obvious when I say that McCaffrey's not there and the offense is not going to be as good. I don't know about the conversations behind the scenes on the direction the offense should go versus the direction the offense, Joe Brady, wanted it to go when all these injuries occurred. Maybe he's still trying to do the same offense with Cam Newton that they were doing with Sam Darnold. And I can tell you right now, they're not the same quarterback or the style. There's a different system there. Um, Cam Newton would be a lot better with Christian McCaffrey on the field too, and The the comment that Rule made was, "He's done a lot to get 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 us moving in the right direction, but this was something that I felt like, from a football perspective, we needed to do now." So, so I don't. That sounds like it's it's interesting that it had that it had to happen now. And they've got Newton coming off a bye week, and then they have PJ Walker, who they're not they can't be thrilled with. Although they're what two and zero as the Panthers' starting quarterback over the last two seasons, when he comes off the bench, he's not good but he plays better when he has a week and a tailor-made offense for him. I don't I don't know what they can do at this point. Here's
1: another thing they'd be wise to do looking forward outside of going and get the next quarterback who I think'll be a big name is uh prepare for life after Christian McCaffrey. I don't know how much you can you can count on Christian McCaffrey going forward. He's not going to be a 17-game starter again or you can't count on him being a 17-game starter. So you better build an offense that is more than we're going to get the ball a lot to Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey. If you think he's going to be there every game, that's on you. Now that's not on Christian McCaffrey.
0: So what- well, and so the, the also the guy taking over Jeff Nixon, Who running backs with. coach, worked with him was his offensive coordinator at Baylor,
2: and he had never worked with Brady before.
0: Well, the only history that I see with him in terms of what he likes to do is run more to set up play action in the pass. So again, it. <laughs> There's something off with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. There was a big disagreement between those two. I can't look at all of the personnel problems with them on offense and say, this is all on Joe Brady, but it's Matt Rule looking around. And by the way, you're about to have some problems with Sean McDermott and Brian Daybol in Buffalo, too, based on his post-game comments yes. and how pissed off he was about that offensive game plan and performance. So you may see something happen there as well. But That's he's funny. just going with a guy that he trusts more, that he likes better, that – he knows from his time at Baylor calling plays, and he thinks he's going to do a better just job. Just goes
1: to show you how quickly things change, because you're talking about Buffalo. Uh, last year, Day was a guy that everybody said he's going to be a head coach soon. Well, And now we're talking like he could be fired at the end of
2: the season. The reason why you – the reason – so I'm just trying to read between the lines of why you make the move now. If you're going to make it in the offseason, just make it in the offseason. It's because you want – this guy Jeff Nixon to be your play caller in 2022 and you've got to prove it to your owner that, that whenever you go get your next franchise quarterback is the guy Nixon's the guy to pair with him and not Brady now or
1: somebody Tepper's knew.
2: Tepper also signed off on this I mean he's he's sure. there every game he's an offensive guy like he he wants his he wants the Panthers to put up a boatload of points and that what owner wouldn't? But with him, he, he wants everything centered around the quarterback and not necessarily around any other positional player. At least that's that's the vibe. And if that's the case, they're going to get their franchise quarterback this offseason. It's not Darnold. And I think this is rule, if he's sticking around, if he can save it, this is rule saying, hey, I don't want to move forward with Brady. Let's make a move now and pair, like Chad's saying, pair, pair me – with a coordinator who I know from college at Baylor, which is Jeff Mixon or we're, Jeff Nixon, and excuse we're ready. Me. And yeah, and let me let me prove that he's got it. Like he he can get us a couple of wins down the stretch with a depleted roster. Now pair us with Getty McCaffrey back in 2022, and maybe draft another receiver, and then pair that with a what could be a rookie quarterback or another veteran quarterback on the market, and let us go to town with a group that I'm comfortable with and the coaching staff I'm comfortable
1: with. He's also got, the, you know, uh, I would imagine in Tepper's head, he needs to see these two guys. I, I don't think he's making a move with Rule, but R- Rules may be saying. Who knows? Look, can, compare me to Arthur Smith and Dave Ragone and to Sean Payton and whoever his right-hand man is, and obviously, you know, Arians and Brady are, are a problem. So he's got the toughness of that in, yep. in terms of the competition, whereas uh, very few people have that to fight against this there's, there's usually a weak link in there
2: coming up we'll give you the uh, injury report on the Titans or at least the outlook on some players that are getting back not due to injury but due to illness we, we've got that straight ahead plus we'll reassess or do we need to reassess expectations for a roster that should be getting some of the the, the players back healthy that have been on the men for several weeks that's all straight ahead on outkick 360. The health of the Titans roster is ultimately going to make or break their season if they can get certain players back. Welcome back to OutKick 360. Paul, we find out the uh, first version of the injury report starting tomorrow as the Titans get back to practice uh, to get ready for the Jags. It sounds like they did some work yesterday, but it was more of a fundamental practice than anything else. And then they actually start game planning on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. Off, off yesterday. I'm sure guys were, we're doing some, some work. Uh, Kevin Byard off the COVID list today. Lousy timing for, for a guy to have COVID um, in terms of uh, his bye week, but good timing for the Titans for a guy to have COVID in that it doesn't, uh, doesn't prompt any potential missing of, uh, of a game for one of their best, Defensive players. Lots of talk about the injuries as they come out of this bye. A lot of guys to to heal up. Um, you know, you've got uh, Julio Jones coming off the hamstring injury, Dane Cruikshank coming off a knee injury, the forgotten Racy McMath coming off a quad injury, all activated now uh, for a practice window. So that's good news for the Titans, hoping to get those guys back. Also, a long list of guys who did not play in the Patriots game and maybe further back. Rashawn Evans has missed five games. David Long has missed three games. Greg Maben has missed four games. Nate Davis, two. Jeremy McNichols, two. Thierre Tart was out with an ankle injury. Ola Adeni was out with a hamstring injury. You hope all of those guys uh, or a lot of those guys can resurface, and that would really serve to, to replenish the roster. But one thing that I'm hearing is this constant debate now about the, um, the, the conditioning staff, the training staff, the strength, strength staff, um, and, and the medical staff, you know, how much blame should be put on them. And we can get more into that. One thing I think that's important to clarify, and Jacob will have something on this in a second, you know, Derrick Henry being hurt kills. And Julio Jones and and uh, and AJ Brown and to an extent Marcus Johnson has really hurt them. Le'won's dealings coming back from his knee have hurt. Um, David Long and and Bud Dupree have hurt. But when you look at stuff about the man games lost for the Titans, this is counting Sam Ficken missing twelve games and Darrington Evans, who who we've never seen or be anything. Miss eleven games. Just keep it on that the the picture there. So this is this year. Okay, is this this year through week twelve? Is that what it says at the top? Okay, so you see the Titans way over on the right there in the in the blue bubble. Well They've ahead of missed the league, a ton. But that's counting Ficken missing twelve games. Evans missing eleven games. Uh, Batson missing eight games. Caleb Farley missing eight. That certainly hurts. Daniel Munyer missing eight. Racy McMath missing seven. Tommy Hudson missing six, Brady Breeze missing five, Marcus Johnson missing five. These are not ki- – those. that's not a list of killer injuries there that has set this team back. And that's why that bubble is so far to the right, okay? So I'm not saying injuries have not been a huge storyline for the Titans this year. But in terms of all these people bemoaning the training staff and all of these things and this slew of injuries, is did Daniel Munyer's absence kill you? Is Racy McMath's absence a guy that we know nothing about, who maybe would have helped you, but maybe is a you know nobody? He's a gunner. Is, is that set the Titans back? Is that the th- no? It's about those Henry and Julio Jones and and AJ Brown and Luan Early and Long and Dupree. It's about half dozen guys.
2: Well, what it, what it what those where those guys factor in is if they're not hurt. Like McMath was never on IR, right?
1: No, McMath's been on IR. He's, he just, his window just opened up. There are a couple of players But like who, Rashawn Evans hasn't been on IR. Yeah, well,
2: yeah um, but see, see, I wouldn't put him in that category. He hasn't been great, but right- You'd to, like to have him. Right now, they're playing with Nick DeZubnar or Dylan Cole next right. to, to Jayon Brown. No, right? You want Rashawn Evans. Um, and David Long, too. But, point but Greg Maben's not killing you. There are a couple of guys who uh never went on IR, but you don't know when they're going to come back. Um, Just nicks and, you know, hamstring or whatever it might be point being you have to make a roster adjustment in order to get certain players available that you need to make a 48-man roster on game day it's more of a headache than it is a training staff problem Um, because if you're not making a move to get a guy on IR or if he's not hurt long enough to go on IR I know that's only happened one time um, you may put him on there just because you need the extra roster spot so it's just a it's more or less the maneuvering that I think has been the burden, not not necessarily not having a guy who would be inactive anyway.
1: Well, the other thing for everybody that wants Frank Perano's head or Todd Torshelli's head is this other slide from last year. This is the 2020 slide. And if you look at this, yeah, the Titans are a blue bubble middle left. Yeah. So they're, they're- only about 10 teams. They're about 10th. So this is not some trend. This is a bad year. And Vrabel, we didn't hit on this too hard, but last week he basically said, uh, I never suffered an injury. You know, said I don't like to refer back to my time playing, but I will here. I never suffered an injury and said, that damn strength coach. I never said, that trainer sucks. And basically he's saying, I'll expound on it, because he didn't to to a degree. The Titans don't have players in January, February, March – they have them in April, May, and part of June. They don't have them in part of June and part of July. that That's the better part of five months. And the feeling, I wrote this extensive hamstring story a couple of weeks ago where I looked at every hamstring injury in the league, and the Titans are not the worst hamstring team in the league. They're five or six worse off than they are. Denver, way worse. Giants, way worse. And the feeling of a lot of strength and conditioning people around the league is it's those five months where guys go off and they're on their own. And if they don't do what the team tells them to do, and Steve Watterson, the former strength and conditioning coach, friend of the show said, if you're the boss of the trainer that you're going to see and you go, no, I'd rather not do that. Or can't we do something else? And you're not following the kind of program the NFL strength and conditioning coach would give you. It can come back to bite you with hamstring, soft tissue injuries later. So I'm not saying that the Titans training staff is without sin, but there are soft tissue injuries all over the league. And it seems to me this is a likely thing where there are probably some players who are not abiding. and, And Vrabel did say this, we give them a program. How well are they executing that program? He said that you're not going to class now. You're out of college. How well are you doing what we ask you to do? Now, I think it's fair that you say, well, how good is your program for them? But I think number one, Chad, how well are you stretching your hamstring if you have a a hamstring problem? How much time are you devoting to that hamstring on a regular basis and building progressively through January, February, March when I need you to be? I know you think you're in great shape. I know you're doing kick-ass stuff at the gym. But are you doing the micro-hamstring stuff that I need you to be doing so your yeah, hamstring's I mean, not look, an issue I mean, Some at fault
0: when it comes to hamstrings. It's either the player not doing what they're supposed to or they're being assigned something that's not right uh, to get ready for that. I mean, that, that's the one injury you can point to most of the time. There are freak injuries. There are injuries growings and
1: calves and quads But also. that's
0: usually something with soft tissue that can be avoided. If you're doing the right type of and if you have problems with it, I mean, there are ways to train your, uh, to change your regimen, to make sure that you're doing the right things to avoid injuries like that. I want to point this out because Russell in the YouTube chat is very angry, Paul, with you. <laughs> Russell says, assume what you're saying about meaningless players is also true of all other teams. Henry, AJ, Davis, Marcus Johnson, Farley, Evans, Long, Dupree, Tart. Come on. This is so dumb. This is true of every team. My God that most of their injuries, hold on, most of their injuries are from non-key players, in quotations. Most players on a roster are not key guys. Paul just said of the injuries are non-key guys. So are everyone else's. Well, role players. Uh, that,
1: you know, I mean, last every- year, San Francisco was the most hurt team in the league, and they had huge guys go down for them, and it tanked their season. So does, Well, right. And my, my point is... And maybe the Titans have that going on now with Henry and Brown, and Jones.
2: Well, they, they or maybe they survive. Strong it. Strong out of the start. If they don't get A.J. Brown back in some capacity, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. I mean, they'll be the 49ers. It'll just be the postseason version yeah. of the 49ers. It'll tank what Fair. their expectations should have been.
1: But I'm not missing Darrington Evans. Jeremy McNichols has been better than what I would have expected out of Darrington Evans, frankly. And I didn't say Davis. Davis has a concussion. But quite frankly... Aaron Brewer's played pretty okay. well in, in Nate Davis' spot. If you're missing Brady Breeze, you got issues. The Titans have done pretty well patching up holes like like for Brady Breeze. Well,
0: the fact that you're not missing Darrington Evans at all is another separate issue. Well, that Yeah, that's
1: absolute. That's the a third-round third pick yeah,
0: at running back that's supposed to be a compliment to – Your big back in Derrick Henry, who's done nothing.
1: I get his broader point. The depth wears out after a certain point and and catches up to you. But the Titans have not had a plague that has completely, until the last couple weeks, a plague that has knocked out one side of the ball or one position that's been unsurvivable. Wide receiver's been the hardest hit, and we're seeing the effects of it the last two weeks. Yes. Julio Jones ideally coming back this week. He's got to make a dent in that and and make them survive it. But quite frankly, they should beat the Jacksonville Jaguars with whoever they have at wide receiver. Now, I know we said that against the Houston Texans and it didn't happen.
0: Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. Their biggest guys on offense have been hurt. Yeah. Taylor Lewan, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones.
1: And we started this. Ryan
0: Tannehill is the one guy who has not been injured at some point or for the majority of this season.
1: And we started this conversation by talking about do we need to reassess where they are, Hutton? Right. Again, I'm going to go back. They're 2-2 and since Henry went out. When Henry went out, I would have said, yes, we need to reassess where the Titans are because we said they're two guys they can't afford to lose, Tannehill and Henry. And I'll say I'm still not sure, but the, the thing is the way the season shaped itself, they were in such good shape when Henry went down that really it became a conversation. It's happened here, but the conversation doesn't really need to happen until all the way down the line here. And all the way down the line here is middle of January.
0: I I need to see them play against Jacksonville on Sunday before I can even answer this question. To get back to the reevaluation of the Titans and whether or not everyone should adjust their expectations for this season in the postseason, I need to wash the taste of the Texans' loss out of my mouth before moving forward with that because if it is a close game, if it's even down to the wire against Jacksonville with some guys coming back healthy, we're going to come back on Monday and reassess what the Titans are now moving forward, either getting in the playoffs and what they can do in the playoffs. If they show that that was an aberration and they come out and handle Jacksonville with a few guys coming back healthy, then I'm more prepared to come back and say, get A.J. Brown back. Hope that Derrick Henry can come back at even 80% for a playoff game, and maybe you're not readjusting expectation too much. If they play like they did against the Texans, against the Jags, there are bigger problems.
1: Well, I adjusted my expectations. Hutton made a reasonable pick of them going to the Super Bowl before the season. I thought when Henry went down, they were in big trouble. Then I saw him beat the Rams and New Orleans without him, and I was like, well, maybe not. But – The reality is without Derrick Henry in the playoffs against all the talented teams there are, all of whom have issues, but all of whom have a lot of talent. I don't see them doing a lot of damage in the playoffs without their number one weapon. And with two receivers who've been beat up for the vast majority of the year, I think they'll ride into the playoffs off probably three more wins and be in good position. But I think ultimately if they win a game, they'll, you know, they'll probably win a game and then lose.
2: Uh, I mean they're they're capable of, they're capable of doing that, Paul. I it, it, the the formula that we saw without Henry, it's there.
1: And Henry might be back, but I don't think he'll be himself.
2: But the threat of Henry is the the, the presence of Derrick Henry would do a lot because they're running for 270 yards against the Patriots, and the Patriots aren't respecting the pass game at all. Like that, uh, and, and when I say that. They're, I should add in, they're also not having to load the box all that much. With Henry, you're facing that extra man a lot more often, and that would open up some lanes for wide receivers like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. It's not going to open up wide receivers that they're currently using without A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. They've got to get healthy. or It's boom or bust for me. I, I look at this like... Okay, the the boom part would be you get AJ Brown back. Julio Jones is going to play in about half the games left. Um that's just what he's going to do. He's going to if he plays this week, he'll he'll be on the injury report next week. That's that's Julio Jones at this stage of his career. Um can they consistently run the football like we saw up front against New England? Cuz even in the loss, I thought that was a huge positive, the push they were getting off the line of scrimmage.
1: Oh, best game.
0: Offensive line was great in the run it was, game. It was
2: awesome. Um And and then it goes
0: back to Ryan Tannehill. Also, go back and watch Buffalo last night and their inability to do that. That should make Titans fans feel even better about the offensive line performance in that game against New England with how they were able to run with no names at running back without Derrick Henry.
2: It goes back to, uh, to Ryan Tannehill, though, because he cannot continue to turn the football over. Since Henry's been out, he's been sacked nine times. And he's thrown six picks.
1: Stares people down.
2: I mean that 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 has to stop. Now part of that should stop when he gets some more players around him and he has some lanes open up. That I mean the, the, these receivers aren't getting open. Uh, they're they're not capable of getting open against top tier defensive backs. We we're seeing that. Um, that's not me ripping them. That's just the that's- truth. Look at what's going on here. Teams aren't respecting anything speed wise deep on the field. Um, A.J. Brown's capable of taking a six-yard slant and turning it into a 35-yard gain. There's nobody capable of that right now on this Titans roster. So that's important. Second, the defense that went out and beat the Rams, and then forgive me, who'd they come back and beat? The New following Orleans. Week? New Orleans. An opportunistic defense that got extra possessions for an offense that's built around running clock, running the football, and gave, in some cases, short fields. And also... An opportunistic defense that over that stretch was scoring points for you. Kevin Byard's picking off and going back for a pick six against the Los Angeles Rams. All of that matters, and they haven't been getting that over the last two weeks. So the formula is there, but until they get some guys back on the horse, it's just going to be a complete struggle. And I, I would also say they've got to get guys back healthy when they're possible to be back because I don't think, like, I, I know AJ's. Possibly back by as early he's allowed as ba- back as early as the San Francisco game. I don't think you just throw him into the postseason and say go have at it. Everything's going to be fine. They need right? some ramp
1: up like yeah, they didn't practice. have for the regular season. Right. They didn't have sufficient right. ramp up. They need sufficient ramp up for the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and I, so I think it's important that you get your, your your thoroughbreds back offensively when you can, and not slow play it. So the discussion we had uh, on TV this week was. If Julio's available, are you playing this week or are you slow playing? I'm like, you have got to get some rhythm back into this offense. Like, you can't play scared, and I'm not, I don't think Rabel would. But with the injury history of the last two years with Julio,
1: you can manage It's an him. interesting
2: management scenario. You here. could
1: manage him in a way that has some rhythm to it at the same time. You can do both, provided he's not super limited. I know, right? If he yeah. could play, if he could play. 35 or more snaps, you can you can have them in the flow of the offense and manage his snaps at the same time.
0: I thought they got tight when when the game, you know, started not get away from them but was not going the way they wanted against Houston. I thought they started to tighten up a little bit, leading to some of those turnovers and, and issues they up. had. Yes, not not the type of tighten up that you want to see as a Titans fan. The, the the bad kind of tighten up. Go out there against Jacksonville and play like you're the much better team. Well, the front four needs are.
1: to dictate even without Dupree, so we call it the front three if, if you want, because yeah. I'm not counting Roberson. Yep. Simon's been cut again, whatever. You need Simmons, Autry, Landry to dictate. Those three, I, I know Landry was struggling through. He's got a little bit of a hamstring. Hopefully he's better now. You know, he plays a ton of snaps. Those three are the most dependable piece of yes. this team, health wise, production wise, everything. Last two games. I know Houston really did a lot to take them out of what they do. They had some chances against New England. I need those three doing stuff. Whether If it's not sacking a quarterback, throwing off the timing, batting down a pass, whatever. For me, the whole thing, offense, defense, special teams, starts with those three. They are the most reliable unit on this team. Go. Start there.
2: And and for all the discussion about game plans and and how they're going to match up with their opponent's in the regular season, it's more about them than is their opponent. Well, but the way they've been playing, they turn it opponents. over. I mean, the, the, the turnover ratio right now, the score is 9 nothing over the last two losses going into the bye. Nine turnovers, zero takeaways. But like
1: Variable said, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're not winning with that.
0: I mean, the Which Texans, going back to the Texans game, it just that was all on the Titans. Away. Handed it away. It was all on the Titans. The Patriots may have beaten them regardless, but the Which Texans – Which you could afford if you beat the, the Texans. Yeah,
1: which you can afford if you beat the Jets.
0: I need it. That's why I really need to see Sunday, and then we come back and okay, are we reassessing or not? Because they, they have they have the buy. They get some guys back. Just go play close to the way you were in that stretch where you were playing well, and take care of Jacksonville, and then regroup because the last two weeks with the the nine nothing turnover margin, but really it's just that Texans performance where they wet the bed totally. And, and that, here's one on, difficult on a very challenge. Wet hun, day also. And Vrabel
1: mentioned this on Monday. Still a little bit of a challenge, right? They've got more healthy guys, but they're not all the way healthy by any means. And they've got a lot of guys we're talking about ramping people right, up. Right, They're ramping people up. Well, they need to practice with some speed in order to be ready to play with some speed on Sunday. And so that's a big challenge for Vrabel and his staff that's this a great week. Point. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. How much speed can you practice with to be ready to play with speed? When you still have guys who need ramp up time,
2: yeah, you're going through walkthroughs.
1: Yeah, so that's a challenge for him this week. He needs some speed to get ready to play with speed.
2: And, and the turnover takeaway ratio—that's something you can control. Not, not all the time, you know, but but there is an art and a there's a skill to takeaways. The Titans have been putting pressure on the quarterback. That we should also add over the last two weeks, they weren't doing that. You know, they weren't getting pressure on the quarterback. Therefore, they weren't getting the takeaways. But. And some of the sometimes there's tip passes or things go awry. That's the game, right? How the ball bounces, the 50 50 uh, bounces. But, you know, you have a 35, 40 yard run and then a fumble, a strip fumble. Those things can't happen. And then you sustain what you've been doing momentum wise without you. Henry. Where's, yeah, where's make the tights exactly. in that strip? Make, at the end make of that run. happen and get a short field set up. Um, and, and Vrabel's been preaching that. I I, I think, too, you know, the, there's a mindset and rightfully so, that, oh, you know, you guys are wasting your breath because the Titans are going to win the division. And and that's true. I mean, the magic number is three. Any number adding up to three of Titans wins and Colts losses means the Titans clinch to the division. They can control one area of that this week. Colts are on the bye, so they can't lose. The Titans could reduce it down to a magic number being two with a win against Jacksonville. But really, what are the goals here? And i I view this from a lens of how how high can the ceiling be right now, given the situation? and for for me, part of that answer includes Henry coming back in the postseason. but how do you get there to where it actually means something? Because if Henry comes back and if he comes back, he's probably going through a couple light practices at that point, like,
1: Maybe a full week. I don't know, you know. the
2: timetable. Maybe a, whatever, whatever it might be. You need him back for a postseason game. You don't wait a week no. and hope that he's back a week from now, and you just bet on the fact you're going to beat. Well, that's why the buy would
1: be so tremendous. It would be too. huge.
2: Point being, I think you have to come in in rhythm to the postseason. I don't think they're going to get the buy because I think New England or Kansas City are playing at a level and a health level right now where they're clicking. The Titans are trying to get back in rhythm, and it's about winning at the right time. I think winning matters down the stretch, but I also think having some of your guys back healthy when they can get back gets the offense back into a flow that's similar to the way it was when Henry got hurt against Indy, when they were really rolling. And that, that to me, is important for how high the ceiling can be if you get Henry back. If they don't get him back, you can still see glimpses of how they can run the football and stick with their identity if they get separation at the wide receiver level, and if they can get uh, some production from the tight end position, which they're not getting from their top end guys um, right now. So again, all that being said, I'm still optimistic on how this team is coached and what they're capable of when they have their starters available. But at this level right now, and the weight continues to get guys back healthy and, and eligible to practice, I you just don't know the answer to, how we reassess where the bar is because I need to know not only are guys coming back healthy, how much are they able to practice and actually play prior to the games that matter because they're going to win the division, but the games that matter are going to happen in January and you don't want to go into, the, uh, into January flat. We know we, teams that limp into the playoffs don't do Rarely very much do in very January.
1: Much. I, I'm going to delve into this some more tomorrow when I'm out there with a the chance to talk to some people, but I do give them credit during this time when wide receivers have not been able to separate and when they've been diminished, they have scored some – not scored points, literally. They have found some plays with screens, which is one way you could scheme around not having guys separate. And they need to do continue to do that. I, I'm going to ask some questions about that tomorrow. But the screen game, which the Titans have never been a screen team – right? Uh, because it takes a lot of work. They're Jeff Fisher always said, we're not a screen team because it takes so much work and we'd rather do our work on other stuff than all the timing it takes to get offensive linemen out and have things timed up. But they've done some good work and that's with even with Jeremy McNichols missing the last two games with him being the screen back. So more to come on that, but I, I think they deserve credit there. Mm-hmm. Desperate for ways to find plays. They found some in the in the screen game.
2: Coming up, Penny Hardaway is struggling at Memphis right now with a recent stretch that has not looked great. Uh, And we'll discuss a name image likeness deal that the University of Tennessee has right now with Spire Sports and a big announcement that was launched yesterday in regards to that and some of the big donors and supporters of Tennessee athletics. What could it mean for the university moving forward and the athletic program, namely football, moving forward. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Penny Hardaway struggling at Memphis right now over a stretch where they've lost three straight, but maybe some big-time roster decisions uh, coming up as well for the Tigers. Welcome back Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. High expectations this year for Penny Hardaway's group, and he had them ranked, was
0: it as high as ninth? ninth? They were ninth three games ago. They've lost three straight now.
1: Say it more like Joe Namath. Struggling. They really
0: struggle. The, the Tigers are really struggling. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Joe. It's I such love a, you. Such a bad moment. <laughs> um, but man, it's funny. Love you too, Joe. Yeah. Susie Colbert, true pro. Yes. True pro. Oh, in that no I, I love no, Susie no more than ever. Um. So Penny Hardaway, there are times where We always applaud uh, honesty, but there are times where you probably shouldn't be this honest in an interview with Seth Davis from The Athletic, where he said after their last loss to Kermit Davis and the Ole Miss Rebels, We've got so much negativity in our locker room with veterans being jealous. Everybody's trying to get to the NBA off the ranking we had, but nobody is willing to sacrifice minutes, touches, anything. It's been miserable. You can imagine what a 17-year-old is thinking as he's trying to figure all this out. Hardaway later said... To shake things up moving forward, I will need to be a complete a-hole and determine playing time based on those who put forth the best effort. Isn't this what exactly what sports are with a coach? You determine playing time by effort News and flash. ability and what's best for your team. Memphis is all of a sudden a meritocracy. Hey, I mean, he he keeps talking, too. It's a, you know This has been going on since these guys got here. There's been a problem in the locker room. There's so much negativity. He is rolling the players that he brought in. Right under the bus. Himself as well. There's himself. clearly a culture issue with players you're bringing in, also, and the culture that you have at Memphis that you need to figure Who out. Creates that and culture. they have got uh, Imani Bates, they've got some serious talent on this team. And maybe they just play all the young guys and they get a lot better and it starts to work for them. But Penny Hardaway needs to do some soul searching here and how he's running this program if this is the case with this group right now.
2: I read into that and think that he's he's essentially, tell me if I'm wrong because I haven't read all the comments, Chad, that he's essentially saying, I've got a lot of upperclassmen that are looking over their shoulder and they're worried and they're jealous about the younger guys who I'm about to put well, in over this
0: Well, this is maybe the most damning comment he made. He goes on to say, there's a group of people on this team that if I played them, I really feel in my heart we would be undefeated. Or have only one loss. So
1: why isn't he playing The
0: main reason we have these losses is the veterans. They don't want to take the young guys under their wings. They want it to be about them. So when adversity hits, they run. I guarantee you we'll start winning because you're going to see guys out there who care and will carry out the game plan. They might make mistakes, but there are not going to be any character issues moving forward.
1: What's his fan base supposed to think when he's telling them, we'd be undefeated if I was playing the right guys?
0: That's, well, a bad, that's a bad comment to be making. Yeah, the, We'd be undefeated if I played the right group. I can
2: tell you that they want him to play the right group against Ole Miss and Tennessee, the recruiting
0: battles Hell with that. Yeah. Well, they're already down one on that one. Oh, and I they get Alabama, So they're saying. battling and recruiting He's with. He's making Max.
2: these comments after a loss to Ole Miss. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's,
0: it is not he good for, uh, pretty, for Penny Hardaway.
1: He doesn't sound real smart.
0: Well, he's got Larry Brown also on his bench as an assistant coach. And I watched the end of the Georgia loss for them. Uh, and Larry Brown is acting like the head coach. He's standing up, motioning plays, and he's stepping in front of Penny Hardaway. On this, I mean, it's very odd. And Penny's kind of standing there with his arms crossed, and Larry Brown is up looking like the head coach. Well, it's kind of the way
2: he did it in high school too, Penny. Yeah. That's, that was his setup at TWSAA that they let him get away now,
0: with. Now, I will applaud Penny Hardaway for wearing a suit on the sideline, where everyone else in college basketball has gone with the quarter zip. I mean, ever since the COVID allowed for all these coaches to get comfortable, and no (laughs) one went back. Uh, Rick Barnes and his staff, they have not worn a tie or a jacket since. They wear... uh, Every game is Every game uh, looks
2: like the Maui Invitation. Or the coaches versus cancer game.
0: Yes, they're all wearing quarter zips across college basketball, and it's almost striking to the eye when I see a coach wearing a suit. (laughs) Jerry Stackhouse does it. Penny Hardaway does it. I think uh, Nate Oates at uh, Alabama wears jacket like a suit with no tie every game. But when I see a coach actually dress nice, um, it it startles me. (laughs) Because everyone just uh, dresses like they're in an AAU tournament. Hey, don't
1: be rash, you coaches out there. I don't like We it. don't want Chad to be started. I don't
0: like it. I, I like the I like the tradition of wearing suits hey, when you're a basketball coach.
2: Shout out to Spire Sports at a, a big announcement yesterday with the University of Tennessee and their expansion of their name, image, likeness agreements and what's coming forward. They're announcing that they have big partnerships and money coming in through donors that's going to allow Tennessee to really dive in head first. On NIL, they did that last year, and they are really ramping it up, Chad.
0: And there's a story at Outkick.com right now, written by Trey Wallace, where you can read all about that. This puts Tennessee in the game with NIL, and if you are not in the game, you are not winning moving forward. You're not getting players. So good news for Tennessee and Spire Sports.
2: Looking forward to Wednesday's show. We'll have primary complaint plus Brad Lampley joins us in studio to talk Music City Bowl on Outkick 360.
1: Don't block the box. Do please lock the locks.